Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at the greatest matches in the career of one Jushin Thunder Liger, as picked by each and every unique standalone guest of this series. And today I'm joined by uh, an expert on the Japanese pro wrestling scene, Perez, if you will. Uh, he does the uh, Eastern Lariat podcast and Patreon, along with Striga. He is Dylan Fox, my favorite person from this wonderful state of Tennessee. Oh, now I'm really flattered that you said that. Uh, even above Ricky Morton? Even above Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, even I above, uh, who else? Uh, who else is from that wonderful, even more than even Jerry the King of Lawler. Yeah, he, he, he's, a, he's a, a classic favorite there. Isn't Cody from Chattanooga? He was born there technically. Uh, Cody Rose. Uh, he, I, I think he. I think. I think he lists. Cody lists himself as a guy as from Atlanta, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, Marietta, Georgia. Yeah, that's somewhere right. That, that's right around Chattanooga. So uh, he might be. He might or might not be. That's unconfirmed. But he may be a Georgian. That's close enough. That's right by the great state of Tennessee. But it's good to be on here. I was really looking forward to this show for a while, and I have to say, uh, this is a question I have to pose for you, and obviously this won't matter to the listeners, but. Do you know what the theme song for the show will be? Will it be Liger's theme or will it be Thunderstruck by ACD? Uh, well, it won't be either of those because they're licensed okay. music. And we, oh. we here at postwrestling.com do not use licensed music anymore. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up. Good stuff. Avoiding the, the legal tactics. Not even by 15 seconds. You don't even want to risk anything like that. Uh, so. Well, you know, like my idea for the, the Cruel Summer show was that we we're going to use the Bananarama song of the same name. And it was all set to go. Like, like I got the uh, the first uh, edit of the finished product because, like, um, Way Way does all the uh, the editing for us over yep. at Post Wrestling uh, for the most part. And then it was it had the, it had the Banana Rama song on it. And then then they made the decision. They being you know John Pollock and Way King, they said oh, we're not going to do any more you know licensed music. I go okay. That's fine. It's it's their website. It's not mine. I don't really have that much say. I was a little disappointed, but you know what? The song they picked. This is like like uh, fair use, like I copy copyright free music that they picked for this song. I forget the name of it. It has a name, um, but I thought it was perfect. I really liked. It really grew on me. The the theme song for the Cruel Summer. Okay, I, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, as always, uh, just like with the Cruel Summer, I I, I like the theme for that as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you have for Thunderstruck as well, uh, because I listened to every episode of your Cruel Summer series. Uh, we talked about them sometimes, some of your various guests you had on. And I'm so looking forward to this show and this series. But most importantly, me being on now that we get to do a match that I picked out myself. I, I always enjoy that because I was really you know, debating things in terms of what match I should pick. But I think I, I think I picked a very good one. Hopefully, I I can't wait to hear your opinions on it because actually the one I picked was one of the most polarizing uh, Liger matches I could think of, and that's a big reason why I picked it. So I can't wait to see how this turns out. If we're the same, if we're different, what the listeners think because we had a good response for uh, our Cruel Summer show that we did, uh, both one, especially the first one. But hopefully, this one can get some good traction for us too. I think it will. I think it will. Uh, I was actually, you know, funny enough, I was looking at the. Uh the uh, cage match comments about this particular match and they're they're very polarizing there's like you know they they range from like you know ah, it's okay oh this is amazing and like you know i saw one nine 
and when I was perusing the cage match comments, but you know, I'll say this: uh, much respect to all the the inmates over there. But like some of the some of the people on there, I just like shake my head sometimes at like what they say. Like they'll they'll pick like pick out like some classic Kobashi Masao match. This wasn't that great. I'm like, what? Okay, no, it's a matter of opinion, granted. Yeah. But still, like you're not gonna you're not gonna give fucking Masao and Kobashi like you know a, a high grade. Whatever, it's okay. Anyways, we're not here to talk about Kanakabashi, <laughs> the, the the various wrestlers from the state of uh, Tennessee, or we're here to talk about Jushin Thunder Liger. And so my question to you, Dylan, is you are uh, one of the most knowledgeable people about Japanese professional wrestling, and, and historically, too. Like, you've you've watched a lot of it from different yeah. eras. What what does Jushin Thunder Liger mean to you personally as a wrestling fan of and a fan of Japanese wrestling? Obviously, he was one of the first people being an American and having such a longstanding viewership of WCW. He was one of the first Japanese wrestlers I knew, along with Ultimo Dragon, who was in WCW as well. Uh, those two guys were kind of like my entryway to any kind of Japanese wrestling, even as a little kid. You know, so to me, you look at his style, you know, and I, I before I never ever knew anything about him and who he really was as a wrestler in pro res in Japan. Uh, just to see such a wild outfit to me was just crazy to me to to see that. I remember the horns. I used to play with him uh, in his fictional uh, character in WCW versus the World and NWO WCW World Tour and things like that in the '90s as a kid. So to me, it's like as soon as you see the horns, it's like that's Liger, you know. Even though he had a fake name at the time, uh, with others it would be like. When I saw Great Sasuke the first time, I was like, that's Black Ninja <laughs> out there. But Liger always stood out to me. And as I grew older and more knowledgeable about Japanese wrestling and learning his stuff, I remember seeing or being really into him in terms of the late 90s, actually, when it came to the most known era to me, where he teamed with guys like Kendo Kashin, one of your favorite wrestlers uh, there, uh, El Samurai, which you know we'll, we'll speak more on him later. Uh, he had a big feud with Kanemoto, Otani, Takaiwa. Those six guys really revolutionized junior heavyweight wrestling to me as a fan. Uh, and had some of my favorite matches as well during that era. And to me right now, watching his entire career, you'd look at stuff like the Noah run. He had he was one of the leaders of the New Japan versus Noah Juniors feud before, you know, in 2002, 2003. And seeing him now as a legend, I just think he has to be considered one of the most successful and greatest junior heavyweight wrestlers of all time, which for me, I'm someone that really loves junior heavyweight wrestling, even ab above traditional heavyweights. So to me, he has to be right up there as one of the greatest legends of Japanese wrestling, in my opinion, and also one of the best gimmicks with his entire costume, his outfit, timeless, great idea, and he really rocked that thing. This is something that could have been a you know a one or two year deal, but uh, kind of like Mushi King Terry and, and Noah, uh, you know, when you look at that, but look at it, it's transcended almost 30 years, you know, so the guy is a legend to me, and I, I love his work and think he's just an amazing legend to me. Yeah, I will echo your sentiments. For me, it's like my first time seeing him was in WCW against uh, Brian Pillman yep. for the WCW light heavyweight title. And then from there, I when I started getting to tape trading myself, and then I'd see his names in the listings for like New Japan tapes, and I'd be like, oh, I got to get that. Of course, like my full-on love of Jushin Thunder Liger really happened in uh, with the Super J Cup 94. Um, just yeah. an amazing run in that tournament. And yeah, from there, 
up until now. Like I've always loved Jushin Thunder Liger. She slowed down a lot recently, but to me, I, I, I think you used an amazing word. You used the word transcendent. He is a transcendent figure in professional yeah. wrestling. I would say the greatest masked wrestler of all time in, in Japan, for sure. I, I won't say, you know, I won't compare it to uh, Lucha because obviously you have Santo, who's like this legendary figure. Like he yeah. he crossed so many like, like pop culture borders in, in, in Mexico. But to me, for Japan, and I would say even for America, he is the greatest masked wrestler to have, to have ever lived and, and worked those, those two countries. His legacy is just unreal in, in both countries you know i and it doesn't take you know there's only a few people that can say stuff like that someone like santo bill mascaras like those guys transcended just mexico and became a figure elsewhere liger did the same thing for japan he was kind of the first one you know even bigger they and i think the obvious comparison in terms of the masked wrestlers i think i don't i'm i don't want to talk like i know for sure but would you say among japanese fans especially old school fans would they say Liger and Tiger Mask, uh, like Sayama, would be the two legends of that? Would, would you say those are the two guys in Japan? Yeah, I think, you know, f- what Sayama had for him was that he was such a groundbreaking and revolutionary figure of the type of wrestling that he ushered in, him and Dynamite Kid. Yes. But I think as someone who, um, who had longevity and was really responsible for where junior heavyweight wrestling went in terms of its importance because he he booked a lot of the stuff that happened in the new japan juniors in the 90s and it was really good booking he i don't think he gets as much credit as like ricky choshi does for the booking that occurred in new japan pro wrestling but i i tend to think actually he's uh, in large part a better worker a better booker than than choshi obviously the new japan juniors don't don't get the chance to like you know sell out like the, the tokyo dome or budokan hall or sumo hall because they rarely headlined it that was reserved for like the three musketeers and Sasaki and Hase, people like that. And but if you look at it, if you look at it just from like he, how many stars he made as a booker in his time, like you, you, you bring up like, you know, Otani, Kanemoto, Takaiwa, Samurai. He even got people like, like Akira Honaga, someone you and I were talking about earlier. Yep. He got that guy over. He got Kendo Kashin over. He he got he got Eddie Guerrero as Black Tiger over. He got Chris Benoit as Wild Pegasus over. He got I think like Dean Malenko wouldn't have become a, as big of a star if it weren't for um, his run in New Japan as a junior. Like his stuff in All Japan was really good with him and his brother Joe. But yeah. I don't think that got him as much notice as being a junior in the in the New Japan Junior Division. Who else am I? Would I would I put in there? Like like, I, I, first time I ever I ever saw Doctor Wagner Junior was in was in New Japan because I wasn't really following Lucha at the time. Uh, and, and he got he got Doctor Wagner Junior and Silver King over to the New Japan crowd, which is like amazing because like you know they wasted Silver King in WCW. I felt and like I wasn't really familiar how big of a star. Silver King was in Mexico, but he became a star in Japan because of being, you know, booked in the New Japan Junior Division. I, I think Liger was still booking at that time. Yeah, I, I can completely agree with you on all counts. You know, that run with Dr. Wagner Jr., I, I'm same as you. Before I even started watching Lucha, I watched him in Japan. I was like, whoa, this guy is a freaking amazing worker. And the way they used him was perfect. They booked him so strong with Kanemoto and against him in the finals of the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, you know, got somebody over that, you know, 
hadn't been around in Japan for a long time when the time he came back. He had like some very early run in the 90s, like UWA uh, or Hamada's UWF, rather. Uh, you know, and things like, to me, another thing that stands out for him, and I think a point that's really important, to me, he's the first junior. Like, whenever I talk about, because on my regular show, I always say stuff like, to me, I always lament kind of the junior heavyweight scene in New Japan nowadays. And I feel like it could be treated a lot better and mean a lot more. Because I always think of Liger being kind of, to me, he's the first one that you could be considered. And he obviously never got the main event at Tokyo Dome or anything like that. But he did main event a show against Shinya Hashimoto. That was the first time the junior and heavyweight champion went at it. And they had a legendary match in, in March 1994. Uh, that was the first time a junior heavyweight had been at that level. And he was the one that could do it. So to me, he was like the first junior heavyweight true main eventer where you can sell out Sumo Hall for the Super J Cup two years in a row and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he, he really felt like he's the one that, again, to use that word we, we mentioned, uh, he transcended the junior and heavyweight divide to become that top star. Even if he wasn't booked as it necessarily, to the fans, he was one of the top stars of the promotion, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, like, we give a lot of credit to, you know, like, Ricky Choshu and Tatsumi Fujinami, and then later on, like, you know, Kijimudo, Shinya Hashimoto, and Masahiro Chano, the three Mexicans, for the success of, you know, of New Japan in the 90s. But, you know, like, you, you, can't, you, ha- you can't have a great steak without some, like, a good side, right? So, like, yeah. to me, like, the, the, the side, for me, like personally speaking, like the, the the side dish is better than the main course with when it comes to New Japan. Like I, as much as I love the a lot of the heavyweights that existed in New Japan in the 1990s, my favorite era of New Japan pro wrestling as a whole is like I will always say the 90s and the junior division in the 90s was one of my favorite things in my entire history of loving Japanese wrestling. Like I I will say 90s All Japan heavyweights. And the New Japan Junior Heavyweights were the two best things to happen happening in wrestling at that time. And what I was watching at the time was like, oh my god! Like if I could pick, like one thing to to like, if I was going to become a promoter, I would either try to steal all the guys from All Japan, like in the heavyweight division, not the Junior Heavyweight division because that was yeah. not that good, but or I would do a complete like Junior Heavyweight division promotion, like you know Toriyaman or Michinoku Pro, but. I would. It wouldn't be like Lucha Res. It wouldn't be the hybrid yeah. of Pro Res and Lucha Libre. It would be the junior, you know, New Japan strong style, junior junior style, like Kanemoto, Otani, Liger, Samurai, you know, uh, Wild Pegasus, Black Tiger, D Malenko, all, all that, that that style. That's my favorite style of wrestling besides like uh, Royal Road style, King's Road style over in in all Japan. Um, like and I, I, I'm one of those people that was like, like I, I'm not a big fan of offshoot promotions, like you know, like Zero One or yeah. the idea of like taking talent from one company and then splitting it off to another. Like, and I like Zero One, I do, but it's just like I, the 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 concept itself. But if there was one person who I would love to have seen create their own promotion and take all the the people that were associated at the time with him, it would have been Jushin Liger. If he created like Pro Wrestling Liger and uh, and it was like and he took the entirety of like say the from 96 to 99 the junior division of that of that era in new japan and he made his own promotion i would probably have been like like where where's that dvd you know catalog i gotta i gotta order all these shows i gotta order all the the noah stuff all the toriumon stuff that's that's what i would have been ordering if, if that ever happened but he was just such a, an amazing 
amazing booker as well as being an amazing wrestler. And I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit for being an, a great eye for talent as well. Because I got to imagine he he probably picked a lot of the people that got to work in the in the junior division at that time. And you can look at where things fell when he kind of fell off, uh, you know, as, as Booker, you know, when he stopped booking the juniors, uh, it feels, it feels like things really fell off. <laughs> like pretty much after that, you know, and, uh, like just for, just, just for edification people, that's like when Choshi took over the booking, Yeah, not only the heavyweights, like he took over the booking of the juniors and then he just sacrificed all the juniors yeah. to like yeah. his boys, like Sasaki and, and, and Nakanishi and, uh, and, that was a bad time. And he, and he and like one of his boys in the junior division was Takaiwa, and I remember he gave the huge push to Takaiwa. Which, granted, like it's, it's not a bad idea. Takaiwa was an awesome power junior in the at the time, but it's like you know he's a complement to like all the the kind of like the high flyers and the kind of like shoot style wrestlers that you had, like someone like Kanemoto, and then later on Minoru Tanaka, who came yeah. to the company. But I, I would I would definitely push Takaiwa, but I wouldn't make him the top star of the junior division, which is I think what like Choshi was kind of doing with him at that time. Yeah. Yeah, that was around the time too. Remember when they put them in the G one and Liger finished last in his block on there? And I was like, Come on. And that was when they were that that year they had a four block system. It was like four blocks of four. And he still finished last. Imagine now if they did that and Osprey had finished last in the G one. That would be terrible, <laughs> like you, you know. No, but that—that's that, definitely what they would have done with, like you know, Kushida. Like Ghetto would have put Kushida that way. But I, I, and I wouldn't agree with that at all. I would have been like, you are out of your mind if you're booking Kushida like that. But you know, Dylan, we we should stay on focus. Uh, yeah. We're getting a lot of great historical yeah. perspective on Liger, and 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 that's why you're on the show. But we, well, we do have to talk about this. Let me just say one more thing about that because there's something I have to air my frustrations out. When after that you, you brought him up, I didn't want to go there, but you did. When you brought up Minoru Tanaka, then they changed it to Heat, the worst masked character ever to compare uh, to compare to Jushin Liger, and gave him a one year long title reign, not as himself, the amazing battle arts worker, but as Heat. That's something yeah, I will heat. never, never forgive New Japan for. Yeah, that was a bad idea, Minoru Tanaka. Let's let's put this really like popular, good looking dude who's an awesome wrestler who brings a different style to New Japan, like from because he came from Battle Arts. And <laughs> let's make him let's make him a comic book character. I think it's a licensing agreement they had with another company. I think that's the whole deal with Heat. But very very bad idea. They should have put it on someone else and not taken away a lot of the appeal of of Minoru Tanaka, who is better as a as a shoot style wrestler than as a. As like what they wanted to be was like the next Sayama or Liger, I think. So wasn't yeah. going to happen. But let, let's talk about the match you picked. This is this <laughs> is a very interesting match. Like as you were introducing, please tell the listeners what match you picked, Dylan. I picked Jushin Liger versus El Samurai from April thirtieth, nineteen ninety two. The final match of the at the time top of the super juniors tournament not this was before they even called it the best of the super juniors this was the finals of that tournament uh a star-studded tournament yeah for sure i i I read you off some of the names when we were talking about it uh look at this list of names here this was in 1992 and at the bottom of the block was koji kanemoto still a young guy at this time he was just starting two cold scorpio they both tied for two points eddie guerrero Fit Finley, Pegasus Kid, Chris Benoit, Negro Casas, one of the best lucha workers of all time, Norio Honaga, 
he was okay. <laughs> uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and El Samurai were the last two in this tournament. And I was so excited to talk about this. This is kind of, I don't want to say a, a legendary match, but it kind of is a, a very famous match for him early in his career because you have to look at the perspective of Liger leading into this match in that at this point, ever since he had his feud with Sano in 1990, that was another, another legendary match, one match of the year at Wrestling Observer in 1990. Uh, that was at the very start of the year. Ever since then, he faced a lot of mid-carders. It was kind of elevated the group, kind of, kind of like Honaga, Akira Nogami, uh, guys who weren't really on that level. And now with El Samurai, you have a new masked guy that obviously works a lot different than him, as we would see in this match. But it really felt like finally they were giving Liger somebody that was on his level. Uh, also as a wrestler, too, in my opinion. But I really like the dynamic of that, that you have a new guy coming up to be kind of like a, I don't want to say bizarro Liger, but a, a fair rival to him, unlike someone like Honaga and the mid-carders they had with him. Somebody that can really elevate the division with Liger instead of just being Liger and friends he had to put over, pretty much. Well, let's talk about El Samurai, because, I, you know, like, he has pretty much disappeared from the scene. Yeah. You don't really hear too much about him. So for maybe those listeners who weren't following New Japan in the 90s and, and aren't that familiar with El Samurai, give us a bit, bit of a brief history about old, old Sammy there. <laughs> El Samurai, to me, I think he's actually very underrated uh, as a worker. To me, when you look at a lot of his career, he always came across a second fiddle to Liger in a lot of ways that hasn't reached that legendary status that, that he did. And obviously, like Tiger Mask we talked about before. But if you look at his wrestling, I thought he was a very unique talent in terms of the fact that he could work technical style. He could work power style. He did some crazy dives and bumps. Uh, to me, one of the most famous matches he ever had was a match that got five-star rated by Dave Meltzer. It was the finals of the Best of Super Juniors in 1997, five years after this, versus Koji Kanemoto, uh, which is one of their best matches. Uh, just the unique styles that he had, because he could dive and do crazy stuff. He could do brawling, like we'll see in this match. Um, he was more of a balanced work. Sometimes he would be more of a baby face. You look at the mask and the attire, you'd think he would be a, a traditional baby face. But he also worked as a heel complement to Liger, as we would see here again. Uh, so I think he's such a unique talent in terms of how varied his style was. A uh, very underrated performer, but also well-known in terms of tag wrestling, along with someone like Liger. Uh, I think he's someone that doesn't get enough credit at all. And also, I have to say, first of all, I love the mask. Uh, with the the eye version that he had and his theme song, which unfortunately he did not come out to at this time, but his later theme song was one of my favorites uh, of the early nineties. So I really liked everything about El Samurai, Samurai, and think he was a great worker. In all honesty, so I I mentioned before, like you know, like my favorite, you know, like you know, eras of wrestling are the nineties heavyweights of all Japan, the New Japan junior heavyweights of the nineties. Um, I actually draw these parallels between like the two rosters. So for me, El Samurai is the Akira Tawe of the New Japan Juniors. Yeah, I could see it. It's because like underrated, but like such yeah. like he, he he doesn't have a very impressive physique compared to like other people. Uh, but he just just an amazing worker. Like when I first saw him, I was like, oh, who's this geek, right? And then I saw him wrestle, I'm like, wow, this guy's fucking awesome. Um, so for me, then that that Liger makes Liger would be Misawa. Uh, Kanemoto is uh, Kawada, uh, mm. Otani is Kobashi, Samurai is uh, Akira Tawe, and I guess uh, Takaiwa, 
I guess maybe that makes him Jun Nakayama, maybe of of the juniors. Uh, you know, if we're going to draw that parallel, um, and then like someone like Wild Pegasus would be like the Stan Hansen of the juniors. Uh, Eddie Guerrero is like I don't know who would he be. He would be Eddie Guerrero would be the uh, Doctor Death Steve Williams, uh, okay. and then uh, Dean Malenko. I like who would Dean Malenko be if he's like if we're talking about the All Japan Gaijins at the time. He'd have to be. Well, he was in all Japan too. <laughs> so, so. He was all Japan too, but like he was like a, he's a heavyweight star. Who would yeah. who would he be? He would be, uh, I don't know. Like he teamed he teamed with Ben Wall. Maybe he's like the you know when Ted DiBiase would do tours of, of all yeah. Japan. Um, like so, I think that makes Chris Jericho when he was working in Japan. That makes Chris Jericho the Johnny Ace of uh, the Japan Okay. Yes, he has the, the he had the theme song at the time. <laughs> he, he had the uh, he had the blonde hair so yes. as Johnny Ace but yeah you mentioned uh, the, the theme I I really liked this theme like that he came out to for this show because I was like this, this is this is kind of a banger actually it's kind of a rocking theme yeah. yeah this was a good theme too but it cannot match Terrible Gift uh, which was his later theme uh, I always one of my favorites but I I never heard him come out to this song before this point so uh, I I really enjoyed that I I liked the song too for what it was. It, it felt like a Japanese song, but it's like a Japanese rock song. So I, I really like that contrast to Jushin Liger, who had that. It kind of told the story of the match, too, because he came out to this rock banger, like you mentioned. And Liger came out to the upbeat and poppy, you know, Ikari no Jushin. So mm-hmm. I, I like the compliments on those songs as well. So just some more background information. We'll, we'll talk about the background, because you're, you're saying that there's a, there's a history to this match. Uh, first of all, let me just say this, this match comes from... Uh, Rigoku Kokugikan, aka Sumo Hall. There is an attendance of eleven thousand five hundred, uh, according to Cage Match. And like you're this, and you're saying, Dylan, this is the the finals of the top of the Super Junior, uh, the third the third edition of this tournament. And you're saying that they had met earlier in the tournament. This is something you messaged me privately. Uh, let's talk about the the history of this particular match. So, what's the background for this? Yeah, see, now this was set up again in the tournament. They had faced off, and how this setup was: the final had Samurai had the most points of the block play, uh, you know, because it was a nine-man tournament. And the way they did it was it was going to be a final match between the top two, but Liger and Honaga had tied, uh, and Liger had had to win a match to get into this final match. So he kind of had like an extra match while Samurai got a buy. In their previous match, that was a great setup to the, what we would see here. Because in that previous match, Samurai had thrown the chair at Liger and did a lot of dirty work, uh, again, as we would see, and a lot of technical wrestling to counter Liger. And that really put over Samurai as someone, again, because as I said before, Liger had mostly been feuding with mid-carters the previous two years as kind of the ace of the junior division. And Samurai was just now finding his footing as a push commodity in the junior heavyweight division. Uh, So... They had this wild match. It was about two weeks before this. This was on the 30th, and their other match was on the 16th of 1992. And that was a really good match, too, if you can find it. Uh, Not as good as this one. But still, in the end, in that one, Samurai ended up winning the match uh, pretty convincingly, though he used a lot of roughneck uh, work that you could tell that was clearly, if you want to note the Lucha influence of these two, Samurai made a classic Rudo type of character, which he would do in the match earlier. Lots of wild brawling and things like that. That's something that was really popular around this time in New Japan. Everyone talks about, like, you know, Hashimoto and the G1s and Shono and all that. But actually, you know, matches that are memorable to me are matches like this around this era. 
and the Hase and Muto matches, which were more like crazy brawls uh, to me. So that's something that New Japan really liked to have in their playbook around this time. And Samurai was a great component to that because he could actually do that in more interesting ways than the others. You know, they, they tried their best, but they just ultimately to the fans, they really didn't get over that much. No offense to Honaga uh, at that po- point. But now Samurai, it finally feels like someone can step up and be on Liger's level, but as a bad guy to counter him. And we saw that in the previous match. And that's that's exactly what led right into this match. You know, it was perfect booking. You had a match where Samurai upset the top favorite of the tournament through crazy means. And now we get the rematch right here. Yeah, it's a great background. Like, you, you obviously can feel kind of that there's this tension between the two uh, the two guys and Samurai and Liger. Um, before we get into the actual match itself, I do have to make a note that this match is, as of this recording, is not available on New Japan World. It's not available for to watch on YouTube. I checked. I, I checked Daily Motion. I, I checked uh, uh, RuTube, which is like a, a great site to go to, <laughs> to to find like matches that might not be anywhere else. Um, I'm, I, I don't know, like, we're, like, you and I are able to, I'm, 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 I'm a little remiss, I'm a little hesitant to, to say how you and I watch this, I do have a tape of this, like, at home, but you sent me a link for this, and, and, like, I will say this for people who want to watch this match, if you are, if you're smart about using Google, you can find this match, okay, like, Check out what different forums. There are forums that that will tell you where to find this match. I I don't feel I want to say on air like how to to find this match, mainly because like the person who runs the site where I found this match has very strict rules about like you know like downloading matches for them. I don't want to send a ton of traffic over there and then you know like you know wasting his bandwidth. Wasting his bandwidth. So I will say if you're smart. Go out, look for it. I, I'm not going to say where to get this match because it's it's you know it's it's hosted by somebody that that's really well known in the Perez circles, and that's all I'm going to say. So you, you and I know who are, who who I'm talking about, Dylan. But that's we can't really say too much beyond that. So sorry, I'm sorry I can't be more use for you more use about this. Like I would really love to tell you, yeah, go to this site. You can find it here. It's not impossible to find. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be difficult, maybe if you don't know where to go, but it's not impossible. I will say. Check different forums, pro wrestling only, maybe the Observer forums, or um, what, what else would be a good site to go to? Maybe uh, Reddit. I think if you if you if you say, "Hey, where can I find this match on Reddit?" Someone will point you in the right direction. I also just have to say that I, all the only thing I'll say about that is I've talked to the person that what runs that site many times, and he's a very knowledgeable person, uh, very influential in my early goings in Japanese wrestling too. So a lot of my tastes are almost. Uh, tailored into his recommendations so a very great person and a great website if you can find it but like like you said i feel like we're dick teasing right now and i i'm sorry for that to the listeners out there but no i mean I just, I, it's yeah. it's kind of a gray area and i don't really want to you know go into like yeah. you know beyond the gray area i think it's one thing to say yeah. that we 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 got it ourselves from from like this site but like i don't want to advertise the site because it's okay. i don't want actually i don't want the site to disappear and that's what might happen you don't know who's listening right yeah that, that's right so we don't uh, if anybody asks any questions just say you don't know yeah, <laughs> but with, yeah. with with me and wh it's cool like i yeah, said yeah. but just not, not on air don't tell anybody we're uh, we're, but, we're we're in the the community wink wink nudge nudge if you know what i mean but anyways <laughs> yes uh, the only thing i, I want to add on the pre preview for this match too just to transition out of that <laughs> to go back to the match uh was that it's important to note as i said they were really building up samurai as the evil version not the evil version more or less of liger but the evil 
uh, rival to Liger. And uh, Samurai had a noted excursion at this point because he was wrestling under his real name for the first few years of his career. But he went on an excursion to Mexico, and he had just came back a, a couple of months before this. Uh, it was right before, uh, no, it was, it was right before the Tokyo Dome, I think, had, had happened. And he had, he'd had a couple of matches, but he really didn't get take, to take off before this top of the Super Juniors tournament. He only had like five, uh, maybe ten matches or so. A uh, very small time getting built up for this tournament. So this was for El Samurai. This was kind of his first run in New Japan at the start of it, after his excursion. He was uh, Osamu Matsuda, which was his real name before. Uh, but he had went on the excursion to UWA, and he came back as this character. So this was a... Remember, this is a... Keep that in mind, too, when you watch this. This is basically a new guy to the fans in Japan. This wasn't Matsuda to them. This was El Samurai, a new guy, when he came out. Yeah, so let's let's get into the match. So, you know, Liger comes out first to Hikari no Liger. Uh, S- S- uh, Samurai comes out to his banger routine that I don't know the name of. <laughs> <laughs> that you don't know yeah. the name of. Um, and for me, it's a little shocking to see Samurai because I, I'm used to like the kind of the long tights singlet look that he that he would be known for like from like the, the later 90s. Um, he's wearing kind of like these kind of Shinya Hashimoto type pants, you know? Yeah. With the black pants with, with the red with the red sash and but they're not they're not like uh flared pants like the the, the elvis pants that, that hashimoto would wear they're, they're tucked into his boots but i just thought it was a unique look and his mask is very I'd, I'd say not generic but it's it's very basic compared to what he would later develop because like his later mask would kind of incorporate the the war helmet of a samurai yeah i know this was basically just a white mask he had still had the eye thing that is yeah, he still would have later the uh, visor type of thing on his mask that covers his eyes and basically he just had a white mask that was a uh, sparkly and then just had the japanese flag on, on, the, on the front that was his main uh, design he also came out in like uh uh what would you call this that he came out with like a a kimono oh, the rope yeah the rope no it's not a kimono like a, a kimono is an actual like you know entire outfit out of its own it's, 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 yeah. it's just like a rope just there's a, a yeah rope. okay just, just yeah, just cause, yeah, he came out with this traditional robe. Yeah, so he was really working uh, on his character. Like you said, the sa- the later version of his mask was way cooler than this, but still, I appreciated the visor that he had here. Yes, it's a, it's like Cyclops from the the X Men. Uh, yeah. So we see Liger. He's going despite all the things you're saying before about the, their match before. Like Liger goes for a handshake, but Samurai spits in his mask and said, "Wow, what an asshole." Uh, they start off with a real intense collar and elbow lockup, and a lot of people will say, like wrestling experts will say, like you can tell if a match is going to be like how good a match can is going to be based on the the initial collar and elbow lockup, and this one was super intense. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a banger from this match, and and to, just so, so it's out there, this is the first time I've seen this match, Dylan. So uh, if, oh, wow. I'm watching it with very fresh eyes. Uh, Samurai gets off to an aggressive start peppering Liger with hard slaps and tearing at his mask. So right away, they're going, like, they're they're not holding back. They're, like, just going to say, fuck you. I'm going to reveal your identity. I'm going to show how ugly you are to the whole world here. Uh, he throws <laughs> Liger to the floor and assaults him with a... I don't know what he just hit him. He got he grabbed this foreign object from underneath the this? ring. And yeah. it, I, I, I heard the Japanese commentator say something to the effect of beer bottle, but it didn't look like a beer bottle to me. But there was, like, liquid looked- coming out of it. I thought it was like a bottle of ketchup, almost <laughs> the, the way it looked. But I, I, I could see why, why it would be a beer bottle. But I don't think it did. It break. I don't think it did. He just kept hitting him with it. 
I think it was like a metal bottle of something, but there was liquid definitely flying out of it as like samurai with like, like wallop lager in the head with it. But uh, definitely like the crowd is not liking this. They're booing this. Um, Samurai comes back with a tombstone pile driver on the floor and the crowd gives him a huge chorus of booze when he gets back into the ring. So he's definitely setting himself up as like this mega heel in this match, Dylan. I thought that was awesome. Like in three, you know, probably the first minute of this match, you have that great slap exchange that a samurai had. He hit him with like three or four in a row. You have mask ripping. You have a tombstone pile driver on the floor. You have beer bottles. Like that's all in the first minute. So right there, right away, you have the great lockup that you mentioned. So really, this match hits you right in the face and says, "Look, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> like, like this is this kind of match." It's going to be action. It's going to be heated. The crowd was super into it. Uh, I thought Samurai did a great job as a heel here, which is very funny because a lot of people would say at this match that Liger carried this match, but actually Samurai did a lot on his own here. I thought uh, both men were equally responsible. We saw it here with the beer bottle. Uh, who even who left that under the ring is what I want to know. That, that's the question that needs to be asked right, right now. Pro- who pro- leaves pro- here? Probably Choshu. It's probably Choshu. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, I made I made a, a note here about Liger is caught in in a camel clutch from El Samurai, and you know despite being in a full bodysuit and wearing a mask that covers his entire face, he's able to you know to emote his pain through his voice, like his screams and his and his like and his cries of pain, and through his body language. And I think one thing that people don't give him enough credit for, like it's hard to show to sell to show emotion through. Like not just a full body mask, but through he's wearing a full body suit, so like you can't really get a sense of like what he's feeling, right? But you can because he's such a great worker. He's such so great at selling. Like his hand, like that's the only part of his body that's not covered. He does so much with his hand. If you watch in this 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 camel clutch position that he's in, like he uses his hand so much to sell, like how much pain he's in and like how much damage Samurai is doing to him. Like I, it's one of those things that I think we subconsciously maybe recognize at least i do and but it's something that you should like think about watching when you watch his matches like how he sells so much with just his hand you know and and the rest of his body but like he has to emote all this through something that is part of his gimmick and enhances him a lot but also can be kind of a detriment in terms of like you know the, the the basic psychology of wrestling oh i completely agree with you uh something that i noted as well not just the hand but when he pulled him before the camel clutch spot, he hit a tomb. He did another tombstone pile driver in the ring. Samurai did, and immediately went for the mask. And how does Liger sell this? He starts flailing around and kicking his legs around, which was a great way to convey emotion. And then we saw the camel clutch, like you mentioned, and basically he was trying to tear the mask away through the camel clutch. But Liger, just with his one arm, he did the most important thing, which was try desperately to cover up his face. So even if he got the mask off, you wouldn't be able to see his face. So. He, like you said, he sold so much with just minimal um, availability that unmasked workers and guys in very small, uh, you know, attire, very, you know, non-covering attire have to work with that he didn't. And he still put on a great performance that anybody watching this, you could tell that, look, he doesn't want the mask to come off and he's in danger with this crazy asshole El Samurai that I think, you know, one and a half, two minutes into this match, they had already set the table for an entire story pretty much i thought that was amazing a samurai goes for the uh, dragon sleeper surfboard combination which is liger's signature move 
so he's like trying to add insult to injury here. Uh, obviously, he doesn't get any submission from this. Liger is too tough. He invented the move. He's not going to submit to it. Uh, Samurai has Liger in the corner and just hits him with a series of punches. And Liger's had about enough of this shit. So he Liger finally fires back with a big chop to the face of Samurai. He then hits Samurai with a series of chops to the forehead and, and suplexes uh, Samurai from the ring over the top rope to the floor. So like Liger has finally like recovered from the initial assault from Samurai. And he's just said, fuck this guy. You want to know what it's like to get your ass kicked? Well, now it's happening. So this is like Liger's uh, control period of the match, Dylan. That spot was so awesome to me. Basically, the spot where Samurai had, he had taken total control of this match for the first probably, you know, five, six, seven minutes of the match. And suddenly he has him in the corner. He's punching him, like you said. And Liger just decks him with a left hand that knocks him down. I love that it was the left that he used to knock him down. It just devastated him, and he goes to town on him. He shoves the ref out of the way and says, it's on. And I punches him right in the face, kicks him. It was so nasty. And I just thought it was just a great spot of that end. And like you said, he, he threw him out of the ring. Uh, and it was great because, to me, uh, Liger is someone that when you look at him again, just looking at him, and obviously back in our era, era pretty much, uh, you know, the WCW Liger on the first Nitro Wherever you saw him, he was around even before that. Uh, I guess flying Brian. But to me, you always expect Jushin Liger, this anime character, high flyer, lots of moves, masked wrestler. But actually, he was a totally not that, you know, it, not that he couldn't do the shooting star press, obviously, he invented. But as a wrestler, he was much more grounded than you may expect. And he had he knew so much. He was such an all around great wrestler. And this was just something that many, many workers couldn't pull off as well as he did. And like you said, the emotion of it came through just with his actions. I mean, he did it again, but I love that spot where he hit him with the left hand. That was his first, basically his first offensive move of the match, and I just thought that was a great spot to have the turning point. Uh, from there, they're on the floor. Liger follows him out to the floor, and then he exposes the concrete floor under the mats, and he fucking powerbombs him right, right onto it. And <laughs> like, You don't get the good camera angle, so the camera is sh- shooting it like kind of far away. So you see the aftermix, yeah. and, and the, the, all the, the newspaper camera uh, photojournalists are, like, kind of blocking the view. But I, you, I think it kind of adds to it. Like, you, you, your imagination is kind of running wild with, like, oh, my God, he powerbombed him onto the concrete floor. You don't get to see the full effect, but you, I, it's one of those things in, like, horror movies. The, yeah, the kind of like a affected, movie, yeah. yeah, the, the most effective things are not, like, showing the gore or anything. It's, like, the suggestion of what is happening to the victim. So... I'm thinking the worst things are happening to Samurai's back at this point with this powerbomb, Dylan. I also think it's very realistic in conveying the wild nature of this match and this feud that they're kind of just, you know, kicking off right now. Uh, But it feels like something that would be realistic if things got out of control, you know? Like, they weren't prepared for it to to go this level. Uh, That seems better than if it was a perfect camera shot or something like in WWE, where there'd be 20,000 camera cuts uh, to it. But... You know, everything's always so glossy in a lot of wrestling these days, and not just WWE, but in general. Uh, things are always so glossy and, like, perfectly shot, and there's, like, a real thing. I think the spontaneity of certain things like that are missing in a lot of wrestling these days, and we capture it here, like an out-of-control situation. These two can't be controlled, and here we have the exposed concrete getting powerbombed into it. Nobody expected this to happen, but here it is. And we, we did our best, but, hey, all we can have is this zoomed-out shot where all the photographers can't believe what they're seeing and have to surround it. 
So I, I love that. I, that was another great part. I noted down as well. Uh, from here, Liger hits Samurai with a couple kick and proceeds to tear Samurai's mask right off. Yeah. Like, so Liger's mask is torn, but it, it's still you can still he can still cover his face. What Liger does to Samurai's mask, he basically rips the fucking thing right off of his head, and it's just basically hanging from around his neck. So you can see Samurai's face. You can see Osama Matsuda like exposed as being El Samurai. He's his identity has been compromised. Wow, like right, like, Liger's not fucking around. Like obviously, Liger control how much he wants to tear this mask. He can tear it a little, maybe just expose the eyes. He tore the whole fucking thing off. So like he's saying to the to all the fans here, like I fucking hate this guy. Yeah, exactly. And I just love the dichotomy of it again because it totally puts over Samurai as much as Liger. And Liger's rep is that he'll put over anybody. You know, pretty much. Uh, you know, and just look at that, you know, his Super J-Cup performance against Hayabusa, total total unknown person. Uh, this was kind of like the precursor to that in an even bigger and better way. Because to put him that way, again, as I mentioned before, he was facing other heels that were against him and did dirty stuff. But he was never able to take it to this level. And already in two matches, Samurai has already proven to be, a, you know, a, such a dick to him that he can't help but be an even greater dick and unleash the full dick of Jushin Thunder Liger that he had here. And we yeah. saw it pop out here. <laughs> okay, there, that's a really good pun there. Anyways, uh, Liger, Liger <laughs> takes Samurai to the outside and slams him to the floor. He then climbs to the top turnbuckle and hits Samurai with a diving senton, driving his head into Samurai's bed, bread basket. This is so we're still getting the era of like high flying, high risk Daredevil Jushin Thunder Liger. It's not this is pre brain tumor surgery, so it like and there's like that whole idea of like there's like there's before the brain tumor where he's like a he's like a high flyer, he's a Daredevil, and then post brain tumor surgery where he's more of a technical wrestler dylan so we're still we're getting like the daredevil liger in this match yeah he still had much more elements of that in this match yeah totally but i i I love to another note that to make on that that samurai did here you can see him struggling his best to try to keep that torn up mask on and it's like totally ripped in half there was no way that that was going to cover his face but he still tried to pull it on when he was on the ground and liger hit that amazing senton from the top to the floor which is uh, just awesome. Yeah, like I said, I, I thought that was a great move. And like you said, yeah, this was before his brain tumor. So we still got to see a little bit of that. Although this much, match wasn't as much about the high flying. It was much more of an all-around great performance. So uh, the fact that he still had that in his arsenal made him so popular. That move got a huge pop from the fans, too. And I thought that was great to separate the dichotomy of Jushin Thunder Liger and El Samurai as well. That's something that uh, Sammy couldn't really bring to the table that, to that level that Liger did. Uh, from there, a big missile drop kick sends Samurai head over ass. Uh, Liger follows up with uh, a King Kong knee drop from the top rope. Uh, Liger is really being vicious here. Uh, another Kapo kick is delivered, and Samurai's selling with his facials was so amazing. Like he gets hit yeah. with a Kapo kick in the corner, and he's is like ah, it's like it's like he got shot in the face with a shotgun. It was so amazing. Like, and of course, maybe it, it was good that the mask is torn off, just because like you got to see his entire facial expression dylan also the fact that he kept wearing it it never came completely off it was like hanging over his face not covering anything maybe like the chin pretty much maybe the mouth at most but even then that basically was a fully exposed it was almost like it was hanging around his neck like a a a choker or collar or a bandana or something like that 
Uh, so I just gave a great visual in and of itself because it's like he's still hanging on to this El Samurai stuff even though his his whole face is exposed. And like you said, it also helped him show and convey emotion, which he was actually surprisingly great at here. And I thought that helped make the match that he, you know, take it to a different level. And I really think Samurai, although this series is about Liger, obviously, I really think Samurai deserves a lot of credit for his performance in this match. That I don't think he fairly got it at the time. I saw some of the reviews say that Liger carried this, and I, I couldn't disagree more with that because I thought he did a great job here, and you made a great point with his facial expression. Uh, a third couple kick sends uh, Samurai to the floor again, and from here, Liger hits a moonsault body press from the top rope to the floor onto El Samurai. Just yeah. fucking amazing. Uh, the crowd is super hot at this point. There's a huge Liger call from the fans in Sumo Hall. Uh, from here, Liger locks in a vicious key lock, but, you know, Samurai... Being a tough bastard that he is, he reaches the ropes. There's another key lock transitioned into an arm bar, but another rope escape. And, and, you know, like let's make a note here. Jushin Thunder Liger is a great fucking technical wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like he, uh, you know, when you when you think about him, you think high flyer, suit, luchador, anime character. But actually he was an amazing all around worker, whether it was emotionally, brawling technical wrestling it's like the dude had it all he did a little bit of everything and that's why i think he doesn't really get remembered that much as a, a high flyer because he really was like he had a bit of everything he wasn't like a someone like ultimate dragon he was a pure flyer you know that was really his game ultimately but he couldn't touch liger when it came to certain things that he had you know or many other flyers not just him but uh, you know i think that's something that really needs to be noted about liger is that he was as good of a, a wrestler as any heavyweight, junior, whatever, he could wrestle any style. And we, and we saw it here in this match. In this era, I think, like, my two of my favorite, like, you know, technical wrestlers at the time of, of like, you know, would be, like, him and Brett the Hitman Hart. Like, I think he was just as good of a technical wrestler as Brett or or even Owen Hart was. Like, I think those those three yeah. were probably three of the best technical wrestlers on, on the planet. In, in the early and late 90s. So it, it's really something that I think not gets overlooked, but people don't talk about as much because he invented the shooting star press. He did a lot yeah. of crazy things in terms of like jumping off the top rope. And he, he, you know, he, he had the mask and the bodysuit, So he looked like a character, but you don't necessarily associate him being a mat wrestler. But, but he is. He's actually an amazing mat wrestler. He has awesome transitions. Um, Getting back to the match, uh, Samurai is able to turn the tide of the match. He he gets shot to the ropes by Liger, but he ducks a clothesline and wallops Liger with a flying forearm to his face. So now Samurai has like rallied back here. Uh, there's a missile drop kick from Samurai. Samurai sends Liger to the floor and hits a big plancha onto him. A Russian slick, leg sweep, and then from Samurai, and which he turns into a modified armbar. Uh, which Liger escapes. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, like I want to kind of talk about this this like arm bar. So he's got hold of Liger's arm, but he wraps Liger's neck and head in around like his legs. Well, how would you describe this? Is there a name for this move? Um, I'm not sure what the name of this move would be. Uh, like I said, it, it was kind of like, um, he does, so this is after he hit the Russian leg sweep and... He locked in the arm bar, but it was kind of like an octopus stretch, almost a grounded octopus. I would say, would be, yeah, would not, be how like, I would maybe, call maybe it. like a quarter octopus stretch because it's not like even yeah. half on. It's like a quarter. Yeah. On. Let's let's call it that, Dylan. We've we've now named this move the quarter octopus stretch, or you know, like you know how like you know, uh, Kensuke Sasaki had the uh, the stranglehold gamma, and then 
the one match yeah. I, I reviewed with Mavs Gillis, like the, the announcers called a, a kind of a botched version of that move, the the the, uh, the, the stranglehold beta. So this is like yeah. the octopus stretch beta. I, I thought he did a great job because he also locked the arm in at a Rings of Saturn esque hold and not just a straight up armbar while he had the octopus on. So I, I or like the the beta octopus or the octopus beta as you would call it. Uh, I, th- I thought he actually. I thought this was actually a really nifty move, and out of the rushing leg sweep too. So I, I really appreciate that. I thought he did a great job. Uh, and the little things in this match were so strong because I loved that when Liger worked on Samurai's arm. Not only did Samurai sell it well, Liger did an amazing job of showing like such aggression on top of it. You mentioned that moonsault to the outside. That's another thing I noted down. I want to get back to uh, briefly just to jump back is because I noted and that that's another case of the shooting of the camera angles. Because the way they shot it is basically he did a moonsault, but the reporters covered Samurai. So you couldn't see him actually land it. It's like, it made it look like Liger had jumped into a canyon and you couldn't see it. Like, it was a great camera angle for that moonsault to the outside. Um, so really, everything was on point at this point. And to the point in the match we are, we had the arm work from Liger. Samurai had countered and made his return and locked in the uh, Octopus Beta with the, the Rings of Saturn stretch applied. And they have a great camera angle of Liger on the ground. And they zoom in on his face where you could see that his mask had been torn now. And his eyes were closed, but you could only see one eye. I thought it was an absolutely excellent camera shot here. And, and really, like this was a great freaking match <laughs> at this point, I, I thought. I, I have to say, uh, I thought that was just an amazing camera, sh- camera shot and amazing work for both men at this point. Yeah, from from there, uh, Samurai goes for a sleeper, but obviously he's not getting the win with that move. Uh, Liger blocks a superplex and hits Samurai with a diving body press instead. So basically, Samurai is going for the superplex from the top rope. Liger, you know, blocks it. He he drives Samurai off the ropes, uh, and Samurai lands on the mat, and then he he follows up like um, Liger follows up with this beautiful diving body press uh oh yeah like he's in the air. remember in the 98 uh, hashimoto yamazaki match where he where hashimoto glided on his elbow drop this was like the same effect that liger had on this body press where he glided through the air to get to el sam right here i thought that was beautiful like yeah said. his his flying like his midair like the, his grace is is really a, a beautiful thing to see it's, it's very reminiscent for me of like anytime like eddie guerrero would do like uh, like a one of his frog splashes, but like like when, when I thought you know here's the funny thing I always thought his frog splashes looked better I don't know why in 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 um in New Japan and WCW mm-hmm. than they did in the the WWF maybe because of like maybe he got bigger wasn't as it's yeah, still beautiful but I just thought it was more beautiful like when he was Black Tiger in New Japan and when he was like himself, obviously, in, in WCW. But uh, from there, uh, there's a tombstone, tombstone power driver, but Liger misses with another diving uh, rolling senton, and Samurai blocks a dropkick attempt, but Liger catches him with a jackknife powerbomb. So there's this like big back-and-forth sequence. So we're really kind of getting to what, you know, what I would refer to in the Cruel Summer series as like the crescendo of the match here, Dylan. Yeah, and I love that he used the tombstone because that was like, that was great psychology, you know, to bring the match full circle from the tombstone that Samurai used earlier in the match. Now Liger did it. It's like a complete, this was perfect for the story they wanted to tell, and I I can't really emphasize this enough, what they wanted to do in this match. Like, to make Samurai the evil counterpart to Liger, it's like there was perfect symmetry 
from the match. You had the mask ripping. Uh, you had the tombstone from Samurai first, then Liger did it later. You had the mask ripping on Samurai to Liger first, and then Liger ripped Samurai's later. Then Samurai ripped Liger's mask later fully and finally succeeded. It's like there was this amazing back and forth of symmetry from these two that was not only great for the match itself, but for the overall grand scheme of what they wanted. It's like, not only was this a great wrestling match, psychologically, this was on an, on the next level. Very few wrestlers besides someone like Jushin Thunder Liger, especially this time. Like I said, remember, this is a new guy if, to the fans. And, for like, really, he just came off of, of his excursion. He's not a veteran wrestler at all. It wouldn't be as great as, you know, he became later. But in this match, he looked every bit uh, of a legend like on the legends level that he did in this match. And I thought that was just amazing work for both men, but especially Liger here to really put this on. Uh, Liger places Samurai on his shoulders and climbs to the second rope and, and falls back only getting a two and a half count here. A uh, very close one though. Uh, Samurai uh, gets uh, close to with a roll up Frankensteiner uh, German suplex for Samurai a two uh, Liger follows up. Uh, he comes back and hits a top rope DDT, then an avalanche belly-to-back suplex from here. And, and Dylan, why don't you, you uh, close out the, the rest of this match? Yeah, so he hit the, uh, the super backdrop at that point. So he picked him up again and put him on the top rope and hit a Frankensteiner. And I made sure to note this. He dragged his carcass up. To me... Like the storytelling of this match, he had he basically won it with the DDT, but he did that just because he he hated this prick El Samurai so much. So he hits the Frankensteiner and then falls back. Like so, this was so amazing how this happened. He landed basically on his butt, and but then like popped up just enough to gracefully fall back and just collapse on top of Samurai. His entire body, his arms sprawled out, and won with that match. Uh, won won the match with that. I thought that was an amazing finish. And streamers immediately got thrown in. The crowd was going nuts. Like, what a... That was just perfect. Like, that's something that nobody could do on purpose. It just happens. When a a great match is at that level, sometimes that stuff just comes together. And it did here in this match. I I thought that was just freaking awesome. I love that finish so much. Yeah, I I like... Like you, I like the part where he, like... (laughs) I think he's supposed to roll through into a pinning combination, yeah. but like he, he lost control. It, like maybe at the, you yeah. know, the last quarter of that, of that roll through in front of the Frankensteiner. And then he just kind of plops onto him. Like, so El Samurai basically became El Futon in this match at the end for the <laughs> yeah. one, two, three. So yeah. So like, let's talk about this match at, like the aftermath of it, Dylan, what are your like overall thoughts about uh, Jushin Thunder Liger versus El Samurai from the top of the super junior Finals from uh, the third edition of this tournament from Ryugoku Kokuki Khan. Well, I mean, I thought it was an unbelievable match, to be honest with you. Uh, one of the best, uh, to me, I'm one of those that would have to consider this one of the best junior heavyweight matches in New Japan. Uh, one of Liger's best matches, for sure. It's so important on top of it, because without this match specifically, uh, this really meant so much for El Samurai. You know, so... Uh, to me, I just thought that was amazing that they went so far in this match. Uh, it led to uh, him. It led to El Samurai. The next month, he actually got a junior heavyweight title shot against Liger uh, in a match that went uh, really long and put him over more. They had a back and forth feud, and actually, Samurai would actually win the title in June. 
So that really shows you where the junior heavyweight division was at this point and how desperately they needed another Japanese star. Uh, you know, because you had guys like Wild Pegasus there uh, at the moment. But for a Japanese star to come in like that, Samurai really got super over, largely because of this match and the great impression that left. And as I said, it would lead to his first title win in June of that year. So uh, clearly uh, it was successful. And Samurai, to me, is one of the integral parts of the junior heavyweight division, obviously in Liger's career. This really felt like, to me, because as I said, uh, he had the great match versus Asano, and he was a great wrestler. You know, I did my best of the 90s series uh, you know, for 1990 on the Patreon, for me, the Eastern Larry Patreon. And I always said, it's like, he was this great worker, but nobody else could really match him, and he wasn't having the great matches uh, on my list as someone like in the All Japan Heavyweights, as we mentioned. But now with Samurai there, he had somebody, and you could build the division around these two uh, with the great Gaijin that we talked about and more people they would bring in later on. Kanemoto was still get, about to get into gear. And by the end of the decade, Liger really found that um, he really had the surrounding cast to make junior heavyweight wrestling special. And we saw that two years later with the Super J Cup, which was right around the time of this match happened to the day uh, almost. So... Uh, very great match. I thought Samurai was unbelievable, for, especially for such a young wrestler. Uh, somebody that I thought he really showed in this match that he had everything it took to be a, a top junior heavyweight star. But nobody could beat Liger. Clearly, he was the one guiding this match. And just everything about it, just like I said, the finish, you mentioned it. Maybe he was supposed to roll through. But I actually thought that was even better. That's when you know you have a classic match, when stuff just kind of falls together that you don't even mean it to. And so I really loved everything about it. Great brawl, hatred, great, cool moves they had here for 1992. These these two were out of this world. Samurai, too, I have to mention in this match. Uh, I don't want to rail on him too much because this is a Jushin Liger show. Uh, but Samurai, another thing that I think is great about him is that even now, his bumping ability was top tier among the juniors. And you saw it when he took the missile drop kick. You saw it when he got dumped to the outside. Uh, he made normal moves look better than they were, and especially against someone like Liger, that's so important. And to me, both guys just stood out, and this was a tremendous match. I don't know what you thought of it, because as I said, some people think it was boring, uh, and that it was one-sided that Liger was the one that carried the match. But to me, I thought this was an absolutely excellent performance for both men. And, and watching it now, I had seen this match before. Watching it again this time, it totally held up, in my opinion. Uh, it's something that I feel like is timeless in its style. And I just, I loved watching it again, and I love being a part of the show to talk about this match that, unfortunately, someone like yourself that maybe wasn't watching, you know, live or getting tapes at the time might not have seen it before. So all, to all the listeners out there, I really, really recommend it. I, I just thought it was a great match and important to both men's careers as well, I would argue. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. If I was going to... I was going to star rate it. I would probably give it like a four and a quarter, maybe up to four and a half. Um, I, I really liked it because like my, my viewing of like the relationship of Liger and Samurai, they were more allies and tag team yeah. partners rather than rivals. So I, I loved the intensity of this match. He had like, you know, the, the work itself, but that, but the, the, the tearing of the mask was like so dramatic and it just added like the, the fuel to the fire of their rivalry in this particular match, especially like, you know, more so Liger, like really basically exposing Samurai's face. You, you can clearly yeah. see that he he's Osama Matsuda. If people followed him through his young lying days, like they would, oh, it's Matsuda, he's back. Oh, he's Samurai? Like, I mean, I think he has a very distinct jawline. So I'd, like, if you didn't know yeah, that, yeah. Like, that Osama Matsuda was fucking El Samurai, 
like before like he got the mask got ripped off I, I don't know what to tell you you might need to go see your your optometrist maybe get a new set of glasses who knows but like I, I really enjoyed it I definitely recommend it to anyone who can find it on uh, the site that we won't mention uh, it's out there Try, check it out um, I, I really like one thing I want to make mention like if we're going to compare this match to like like say modern New Japan I thought the match layout especially the finish was really really interesting there wasn't this move counter 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 move formula that we see no, in, in some of in like a lot of Goto matches a lot of Jay White matches a lot of Okada matches you know you don't see that in this match it's basically Liger was down Samurai had the advantage Liger regained the advantage hit his big move and he won and I thought that was perfect I don't think every wrestling match needs to be this fucking ballet sequence which we see of not and i'm not gonna bang on new japan about this This exists in a lot of wrestling in all over the world and and i think if if you if you were like more judicious about that as a booker that it would mean more those matches would be a lot more memorable but they're not because like everyone does them in wrestling like you'll have a fucking mid-card match do some of this Move, move, counter, move, 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 counter, move. Like it, multi-man tag matches in New Japan sometimes have these kinds of sequences. I, I don't want to see that, honestly. Like some, some people are jobbers. Treat them as such. In New Japan, you have like the young guys. They're the jobbers. Like you have like some of these guys being brought in from other dojos. Use them as jobbers. That's nothing against them. Chase Owens, I, not to bang on him, but like let's be honest, he's a jobber. His his job is to look good, taking. Finishing moves from the stars, okay? That's how you use them. You don't have Chase Owens have a fucking move, counter move, counter move, counter move sequence with fucking Juice Robinson or fucking Tomohiro Ishii. You don't do that. I don't know why anyone thinks that's a good idea that he gets to get a shine like that because he's a fucking jobber, okay? And that's how you use them. Ren Narita right now is a fucking jobber. Use him as such, okay? I'm not just want to bang on Chase Owens for this, but it, it really bothers me about modern wrestling. Like, that every fucking match has to have this kind of ballet in it. And you don't need it. This is perfect. Like, sometimes you can end a big main event match just like this, Dylan. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was tremendous. Even in the... I just say one thing about these two. You mentioned they were much more known as friends and than enemies, per se. Even by the end of the year, they would team up, you know, pretty, pretty much. It was just too natural of a partnership, really, uh, to have them. But for this little three or four month run of enemies. I thought they did a great job with it. Um, compared to modern new Japan. Oh yeah. It was highly different. Now there was none of that stuff, even compared to the junior heavyweights in new Japan. And I mean, like Osprey and Shingo was a great match, but they had the long drawn out sequence at the end as well. Uh, there really wasn't a definitive, and this was the finals of a tournament too. Yeah. Keep in mind, this wasn't like just a random mid card match. Uh, you know, like I said, compare that to the Liger, or the Liger, uh, the Shingo and Osprey match, and it was a completely different style of match than you would see today, or even would think of. You know, something like that. So it really stands out when you look at stuff now. And a lot of Liger's matches were like that. And like I said, you know, as I said, I know that many people think of him as a, a high flyer, but he really, like, he really wasn't. And it's not that he didn't have those kind of big moves, but he that really wasn't his true style. If you look at these last three years, his famous matches were against Sano, Onaga, this match. They were all like emotion-based uh, brawling matches that had definitive finishes. There was no big back and forth. Uh, th- this match here, it's like it was all about the emotion of it. 
and he got a definitive win. So I wish we would get back to that as well, like much more of a definitive winner, because I really think you can make that criticism about, you know, nearly every match. <laughs> and not Like I said, not just in New Japan. Even Kento at times can do stuff like that. I uh, look at his match with Nomura recently. I had a little bit of that. Uh, not Maybe not nearly as bad as someone like Switchblade, but uh, there was a little bit of that too. So the style itself has really kind of changed to that. I don't know for the better, though, because I, I thought this was a great match, like I said, and I really loved the layout of it and the finish of it. I think this would be great if they did something like this. And, and like, I don't know who it would be or where they would set up next year, but like if and I mentioned the Shingo and Osprey match, if that had come where... Shingo finally took him out because he was undefeated at the time. That would be a, a sing, you know a similar way to do that, uh, or Osprey if you wanted to have him make a dominant, triumphant move to heavyweight. Uh, just have a definitive winner, all moves in a row. He had it won and he did it. Just this match required hatred too to pull off a finish like this as well. So I will say that much. Uh, a lot of the matches don't really have that kind of heat to them, you know. Like what was, what was that Jay White and that Naito feud about really? Like, was, it, was there any kind of devastating personal issue? Did anybody bleed or a, anything like that? Not really. It was basically just they kind of, like, sat across the ring and, you know, spit at each other, <laughs> like, pretty much. So that really wouldn't work in a lot of these Jay White matches because character just isn't like that. Uh, or Okada or Goto, obviously. So a lot of it comes down to the characters. If you had truly um, a badass, violent character like this that was also a great worker... I think that could work, but unfortunately, we haven't seen that yet, uh, just in terms of booking in combination with talent ability at that style. I, I think the, just to be clear, like, I'm not opposed to the, the style of finishing matches with, like, you know, moves and counter moves and having, like, yeah. sequences. I, but I think those should be reserved for, like, special matches, like title matches or the end of, like, a really heated rivalry. I just think I see too much of it in, in New Japan. I see a lot of it. I, I don't see as much of it in like all Japan because a lot of the undercard undercard guys don't do that style. They don't. They they know yeah. their place. They very clearly really? know their place, right? And like Noah, yeah. you don't really see that in Noah either. Like if I watch a Noah, I'm not gonna see fucking Akatoshi Saito do a fucking move counter move sequence, right? Like he's on the undercard, he oh, knows his place, horrible. right? So <laughs> it, it yeah. is really, you know, like it really is like something that's, that New Japan is is grilled with. You know, I, I think it, there's a problem there. Not uh, obviously it doesn't affect their box office. People like it, but just for me as a fan, I'm not a huge fan of it. But uh, just to just to uh, like wrap it up with with this review, yeah. So definitely, El Samurai Liger. They were they had a great rivalry in this match in this tournament. They would later become tag team partners and friends. They would actually form a group called the Junior Horsemen in New Japan. It would be Liger, Samurai, uh, Wild Pegasus, and Black Tiger, and they would their main rivals would be. The you know the kind of I don't know what you call them like they never had a team name or a unit name but like Kanemoto Takaiwa and Otani and like Honaga was in there basically anyone who didn't wear a mask or wasn't a foreigner was in Otani's group Otani was I felt was the clear leader of that group even though maybe Kanemoto was a bit more of a senior I felt like Otani's charisma natural charisma made him more the leader and they that yeah. rivalry. Like, those three guys, Takaiwa, Otani, and Kanemoto, and various people, against Liger and all his allies was just uh, one of the driving forces of that of that rivalry in New Japan. Of, of that division as a whole was driven by the, you know, these matches that these two units would have. Yes, uh, I completely agree with you. And after 
Pegasus and Black Tiger left, you saw it replaced with people like Kendo Kashin, uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., uh, Silver King, all those guys we mentioned earlier. So it's like if you like you said, if you wore a wore a mask, you had a friend in <laughs> Liger and Samurai. By the time the late late nineties came along, and I can't believe I never understood why Otani's group never had a name. Uh, you're right, Otani. They kind of like I don't want to say phased out Otani, but I think a big reason why he left for Zero One is because Kanemoto was kind of the leader. Uh, by then, and they they also kind of had a little bit of a breakup because remember that's when Tanaka came in. Uh, by the time. Otani had left, so they kind of split that group into Kanemoto and Tanaka and Otani and Takaiwa. But yeah, those three as a group, they never had a name, and I never understood why. But you know what? Maybe I, they were they were early versions of the Enokias that are exists on wrestling Twitter. <laughs> black so, black so, trunks, <laughs> black boots. You know, very very you know like you know traditional like bare bare bones uh, aesthetics to them, and the right they wrestled and stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I guess you could like we'll, we'll just call them. No, I don't want to see. I don't like the Enokias on Twitter, so like, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call the this group that I fucking love the Enokias. But you know, like you know, you, you can kind of draw a parallel, maybe. But anyways, I you know what I called them? I used to call them. I used to call them the upstarts because like they were the guys who were hungry for a Liger spot. They were like all these mask guys. Why do these mask guys get all the top spots in this fucking division? We want them, and we're not gonna you know gimmick ourselves up. We're just gonna keep black black boots, black tights, black knee pads, and we're gonna fuck these guys up. All these guys wearing these cartoon masks and looking like, looking like clowns. That's kind of how I felt. The the rivalry was kind of like laid out like philosophically. Yes, uh, I do agree. Although I will say, in this era or that era, Otani's interest jacket was awesome. Like I said, so he had a great red jacket. Uh, I, I will give him that much. And he moved into the like blurry red and black tights, which he still has today uh, as well. So he tried to change along with the times after after 2000 at least. By, by the time Kanemoto broke off from the group, uh, you could just call them the earliest version of the junior stars, just without Tanaka as well. Uh, perhaps Samurai later on, uh, you know, like now we're jumping way ahead, but, you know, Liger and all that. Samurai, by the end of his run in New Japan, he was actually a trainer to a lot of the juniors. He, he actually helped train guys like uh, you know Yujiro, Taguchi. Uh, he 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 was involved with those guys by the end. Uh, so you know the the dude was, was a great performer. Liger, everybody kind of knows about him. Uh, I think Samurai left though eventually, uh, like near the very end of his career. Uh, he worked some spot shows. Uh, he wrestled in all Japan for a little bit. Had a bit of a team with Kazayashi in the late two thousands. He wrestled in like Michinoku Pro, and uh, he did some spot shows at DDT in his hometown too. Uh, uh, you know his home territory of Aichi, as well. So Aichi. So uh, dude had a crazy career. Uh, you know it's kind of underrated. And Liger, you know what? What, what more can be said about them? But yeah, eventually this was the start, really. Even though they were hated rivals at this point, uh, very quickly, like you said, they would turn around and to become uh, friends and partners and allies. Uh, and they still had matches against each other now and then in the tournaments and things like that, because that's just how the junior heavyweight division worked at, at the time, pretty much. Friends and allies fought uh, to, uh, before they had, really, the junior tag titles really didn't come along until the end of 98. Uh, so they, they really didn't have anything fighting over in this feud. It was just for pride. And um, how, how is the best way to describe this? Their ideals, more so than titles. Uh, like you said, the black uh, tights, the generic look, but great talent. Versus the great talent, but also super colorful and standing out characters. So, 
Uh, really crazy stuff how that all happened in the late 90s, and it started here. Yeah, don't, don't, I think the big thing we can take away from this is, like, you know, the great execution later. But also, don't sleep on El Samurai, folks. If, if you want to check out someone who's a great junior heavyweight in his own right, like, definitely check out some of the New Japan stuff that El Samurai did in, in the 90s. Uh, you mentioned the, the Kanemoto match from the Best of the Super Juniors final that they were in. That, I remember that match. That is an amazing match, so check that out. Uh, Dylan, let's wrap it up here. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for joining me. What, uh, what can you plug for the listeners out there? Where can people find more Dylan Fox? Uh, check me out on Twitter, at DylanZeroSky. You know, spell, out, spell out all the words and stuff. Uh, I talk about all kinds of wrestling. You know, I, I do shows about Japanese wrestling and Mexican wrestling primarily, but I watch a little bit of everything. I try to keep up with Rit Rez, as, as crazy as the British scene can get <laughs> these days. Uh, American wrestling, I try my best, even though some of the discourse is kind of annoying uh, sometimes. It's no fault of anyone in particular. I just think that, you know, it, I think a lot of times the stuff on Twitter comes, like even stuff with people that hate on me or anything, like, you know, you mentioned the Enochius you don't like. I think all of that stuff comes from a good place, which is the passion that they feel for these subjects, whether American wrestling or something maybe underrated in their minds or unfairly dumped on, like Enochism or whatever. I think it all comes from a good place, but uh, unfortunately, you have to really know how to express yourself in ways to not look like kind of a jerk <laughs> on, online. And a lot of the people I talk to, thankfully, uh, most of them don't. I, obviously, there are some crazy people out there, but most of them are pretty cool. Uh, and I've seen a lot of the people that follow me and talk to me about stuff. So I really appreciate those interactions. Uh, you may disagree, WH, <laughs> that, that many of the people are cool uh, on there. No, but... There's a lot of cool people on, on wrestling Twitter. Like Even if you disagree yeah. with my philosophies of wrestling, I don't care. My problem with a lot of, like you know whether they're the Enochius or the Ghettoists or where the fuck they are like like it's sometimes like oh. if you say i like this okay that's cool like and i don't like this that's cool i do that all the time i don't say however i don't go out here and saying if you don't like this you're a fool you're an idiot for not liking this i i don't take that stance and i i feel a lot of the some of the people less like i don't know less uh, interesting people on twitter who talk about wrestling yeah. and have certain philosophies, their their stance is like, you're an idiot because you don't think Bob Sapp was the greatest IWGP champion of all time. Okay, yeah. no, I'm not an idiot because I think he was a terrible IWGP champion, just like I think Brock Lesnar was a terrible fucking IWGP champion. But there are people I think who think Brock Lesnar was a great IWGP champion, and he wasn't. He was fucking shit, uh, okay? I, I rather the, the Russian dudes, I think they were better IWGP champions than either Sapp or Lesnar were. And I, those guys were awesome. You know, the Russian guys were awesome. I, I fucking <laughs> yeah. like I, I and I like Brock Lesnar overall, but he was terrible in Japan. He just squashed people. There was no there's no like give from him. And Sap was just, you know, he was a celebrity. He's a big dude, very impressive. I think if they got him to him sooner, he would have like had a great run as IWGC champion maybe, but by the time they got to him, he is his his 15 minutes were coming up. His his body was broken down. He didn't have good matches. They they and it was the height of the Inoki office, you know, controlling that fucking company. So no, anyways. But beyond your Twitter handle, Dylan, you do have uh, a, a podcast that you do with a, a wonderful friend of ours from Germany, and also Patreon. Let's plug that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In addition to Twitter, uh, I do the Eastern Lariat with my friend Striga, who is the owner of CageMatch.net. I'm sure that's a site a lot of people listening to this know about and check on. Um, 
I also do Lucha Talk with my good friend Alfredo Esparza, who runs Lucha World and Retro Wrestling. So he's a really great, uh, you know, person when it comes to those sorts of wrestling deals. Sometimes Micromed Fever, who translates a lot of the Spanish stuff for us, is on there too. But he's been real busy lately. But he's going to be on for the anniversary show that we're doing. Uh, so he, by the time you listen to this, he should be back uh, on. He's just a little bit busy at the time of this recording. Um, check out our Patreon for the Eastern Lariat. Uh, that's really important. Uh, check it out, patreon.com slash Eastern Lariat. I have Strig on. Uh, WH, you've been very kind, uh, actually, to come on uh, my shows as well. That I've, some, of, some of the shows I've done on there. Uh, Pure Heart, Pure Lariat, which is free, free. That's the Joshi version of Eastern Lariat. WH, you've been on there a couple of times, too, uh, You know, when, whenever you have the time to that. So I really appreciate that. You can listen to some of the old episodes, too. Uh, a lot of them are timeless as well, especially the Pure Heart ones. I have interviews with people. Uh, we talked about the startup documentary. It's stuff you can listen to uh, on in, and we, we definitely want to have you on for some more stuff. I do, uh, for sure, and we're, I'm working on it to get some cool stuff out there. So hopefully by the time this drops, like I said, me and you will have some other cool stuff there. Uh, the Patreon has all kinds of crazy stuff on there. Uh, other guests are coming up on there, too, should be on there. We do shows about pretty much every single promotion in Japan that makes air, whether it's Zero One, Wrestle One, DDT, NOAA, All Japan, uh, stardom i covered the entire five-star grand prix uh every show every show the g1 was done i'm going to do the champion carnival next year every show if no one ever puts the n1 up in full i'll do that <laughs> for, for every show it's like man we cover everything on that thing if you love japanese wrestling i i would definitely recommend it we have uh new japan inspired tiers too the one three and five dollar tiers one dollar gets you in the door you get when we do cage match shows or live reviews uh, $3 tier, you get stuff. Because sometimes we break out and record American shows or report on American shows and stuff like that. Uh, they're on the $3 tiers. Tiger Mask W uh, review show, we, we, we do on there. Me and my sister actually do that. She loves anime, so she joined me with that. Uh, $5 tier, you get everything. Uh, all the stuff would be at WH, the Spot Lariat shows. Uh, the documentary series we did the week of. Uh, we did a whole show on Shinya Hashimoto. We have uh, one coming up about Keiji Muto as well. Uh, on there so we're getting all the musketeers we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff and different projects i have the 1990s project which is the best of the 90s uh, i've done the uh, i've completed every every bit of the top 50 list of 1990 as well as the awards show so 1990 has everything and i'm going to be doing every single year of the 90s from 91 92 all the way to 99 and then the best of the decade and hey, maybe the match we talked about, WH, will be on my list uh, for 1992. I, I, I suspect it will be. I don't want to spoil that project. But when 92 goes along, I expect I will be talking about Jushin Liger and El Samurai yet again on the Patreon. So well, check that out. I'll be, uh, I'll be waiting with uh, uh, bated breath and uh, open ears for that. I, I'm a subscriber of uh, the Eastern Layer Patreon. I'm on the big Hashimoto tier. I... I personally like like this is a good thing. I there's so much content it's hard for me to keep up. I I, I will usually schedule a long walk to catch up on a lot of my podcasting, uh, listening that is, and and like I don't do podcasting while I'm walking, obviously. Uh, that'd be weird. Uh, but yeah, but definitely like for my money, like the most frequent and most comprehensive like you know producers of content is yourself and Striga with with for Perez especially. Uh, on the Eastern Lariat, and uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm 
I'm always excited to when a new episode drops of the main show and of like your Patreon stuff. Definitely check them out. Uh, Patreon.com for slash Eastern Laird. Uh, my name's WH Park. You can follow me at at WH Park Nine. Of course, I do the uh, the, the post Perez uh, show with John Pollock over at postwrestling.com. And yeah, and then, like I sometimes appear on the Eastern Laird Patreon with Dylan, where I go on sometimes these massive rants against uh, Weebos. That's a, that's a timeless rant, Dylan. Yeah, like, see, that uh, was my rant against the Weebos. That was that wasn't even on the Patreon. That was on Pure Heart. Uh, you did that against the Weebos uh, there. I think both episodes of Pure Heart you ranted because remember the first was against that annoying guy that was in the uh, yeah yeah the start of it. Then the second one was. Uh, during the documentary so and you had a, a bunch of hot takes on that both of those are available to listen uh if you want a little bit of a taste of what you get on the patreon you can listen to me and wh well i'm actually it's funny because on the eastern lariat i'm always the more uh, exuberant as you would say member of the group or of the pair but when me and you are together uh you uh, even are not over only on my level but overtake me to the point where i have to be more serious so you bring the best out of me wh with, with your rants especially against weebos which i think we pretty much agreed on for, for the most part so i i really appreciate your uh, charisma that you bring to the table and your knowledge as well uh, especially in that case it was very important because you're you live in japan so you're always like my go-to guy and uh, not just you but you're definitely one of my top go-to guys when it comes to the Japanese perspective of things, even though you're a foreigner still, you have lived there for so long. I, I really trust your opinion over a lot of the guys online that maybe, you know, I, I don't want to insult anybody, but maybe don't know as much as you do. So yeah, you're always like one of my, uh, they're probably, they're probably fucking weebos themselves. So they, they don't know <laughs> anyways, anyways, like on that note, like I, I will want to take note. Thank you, Dylan, once again, for joining me on this episode. I want to thank the listeners for, for listening uh, to the series. This is, uh, as of this recording, this, I believe this is the sixth episode. Check out all the other episodes on the uh, archives in the postwrestling.com server. Uh, yeah, and I until next time, for Dylan, I'm going to say uh, goodbye to everyone, and I'll see you on the next episode. And until then, uh, see you later. Bye. Sayonara. Sayonara.